Welcome to Moon Harbor Heroes. This issue is Legacies Issue 16, Safe Spaces. On the cover, two silhouettes stand in a window of a hospital. In another window, several doors down, a third silhouette stands holding a knife in the air, preparing to strike. Above the hospital, similarly silhouetted, Shava rides on Princess's back, framed by the moon. We turn the page and our story begins. Our issue opens on what can only be described as a, like, 1950s sitcom aesthetic living room. Like, single camera angle kind of thing. The fourth wall is the fourth wall of the house. And we see Prince Butterfly. Max, you are back in your original time. What do you do to, like, pass the time? Okay, so do I look as I did then or as I do now? Which is, like, largely the same, but, like, the costume is, like, slightly more modern in structure, if not in form. Uh, let's say you look the same as you did then. Okay. Uh, I think I am reading uh, an issue of Sensible Chuckle magazine. Uh, and... Uh, watching something, uh, probably like a Leave It to Beaver on the television. And the door swings open, and you see a blur. Think the way that the Adam West Batman show had people, like, flying and going really fast, how it, like, kind of just looks like someone, like, scratched on the screen. Uh, You see a blur, and then your teammate, Flutter, is sitting next to you. Can you describe Flutter for everyone back when she was a child? Uh, she is, like, I think she was. She hit the growth spurt first out of all of us. So she was the tallest of us. Like a little beanpole of a girl. Tall, like, dark, sort of wavy hair. Uh, pastel costumes. So when she's running, it leaves a that sort of pastel-y sort of light trail in the air. Uh, would she be in costume or in a in civilian wear? She's in costume. Yeah, so it's sort of your 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 sort of Jay Garrick era Flash style. Like it is definitely like a shirt and pants and like a domino mask, rather than like a speedster uh, uh, onesie. And she plops down on the couch and is like, oh, "I just went for a run." Oh. China looks really good this morning. Oh, did you get me anything to eat? And we see the onomatopoeia of a laugh track, like, across the bottom of the page. And she's like, oh, no, I forgot. Hold on one sec. And then there's a blur. You flip the page with Sensible Chuckle, and then there's another blur. And she is back with, like, a to-go container of food. Awesome. I love white rice. Oh, my God. (laughs) I forgot that you're from the 50s. Yeah, I'm the worst. (laughs) She kind of like leans her head on your shoulder as you're eating a little bit. And she's like, Maxie, growing up sucks. Why does it suck? It's something we all gotta do. She looks at you. And for a moment, she does not look like a kid. Her face is still childlike, but her eyes are adult eyes. She has worry lines. And she's like... Some of us don't. What do you mean? And the colors are immediately back to 1950s. And she's like, well, I mean, you're never going to stop being a child. And she like nudges you playfully. Laugh track. Laugh track. Exactly. She kind of just like runs her fingers through her hair. And she's like, I mean, I'm going to high school next year. That's such a big change. Yeah, but it's a brand new world. New people to meet. New friends to make. Yeah. Don't you think new things are kind of scary? Well, yeah, but not everything that's scary is bad. I mean, like, look at Paul when he uh, when he's beaten up a villain. Like, I know that's that's got to be scary from from the villain's angle, but he's doing good. And that's not a bad thing. As you say, he's doing good. And that's not a bad thing. The lights flash away from the, like, sepia tone to just, like, 
really red for a second. And you start to hear this persistent beeping. It starts as like small onomatopoeia behind you, but it's going to gradually get louder and louder as the scene progresses. And she's like, I don't know if I know what good and bad is anymore. Well, good is when you help people and bad is when you hurt people. It's not that complicated. What if you hurt people for a good reason? What good reason would you have to hurt people? You just talked about Paul, the Praetorian. He fights villains and he hurts them. That's a good thing. Yeah, but they're hurting other people. So it's okay if we hurt people if they're hurting people. Yeah. But doesn't that kind of just lead to a cycle? Couldn't someone then hurt us because we were hurting someone else? Well, we were only hurting people who hurt people. But then we're hurting people, so wouldn't someone want to hurt us? We're not hurting people. We're hurting people who hurt people. When the camera pans back to you at that point, you are not the, like, teenage version. You're not the, like, 12-year-old version of yourself anymore. We see Mm -hmm. you. We see you the way that you've aged a little bit. Like how in the modern timeline, you've aged kind of every time you've taken a powerful blow. Mm -hmm. You're older looking. And your costume is that like slightly more modern look costume. And she's like, where do you draw the line, Maxie? Does there need to be a line drawn? People need to not hurt people. That's all I've ever wanted is people not to hurt people. When we see the next panel on her, her face is distorted in the way like, you know, when you remember someone, but you can only kind of remember what they look like in a photograph. You're like, oh, I know their face because this is the face that I picture because it's the pic- the face from the picture that I always see. But like, I can't imagine what it looks like when it's in motion. It's that kind of look, where, like, it is still, it is kind of broken. It feels staged. And she's like, I wish that's always what you are going to want. And the beeping just gets louder and louder. And when she opens her mouth to speak again, just dozens of white moths come flying out of it. And the beeping gets louder, the colors get really pulled in, the panel gets really small as these moths fly around you. And then we pull back and we see your eyes kind of fluttering open, and above you is a person in a white coat. Because after you got kicked in the head by Kalabunga at the end of the last issue, you said you were fine. And then you passed out as Tiger was taking you to the hospital. We open this present timeline on you waking up in a hospital bed. And the beeping is a heart monitor. The the shocked sort of where am I sort of look. Tiger, you're sitting right by Max's bedside. And Max has probably only been out for hour, hour and a half tops. But still, you know, it was still scary that he passed out right in front of you. Yeah, I think Tiger looks over with like a Nature Valley bar in, in their mouth <laughs> and uh, reaches down to a stack and slowly hands Prince Butterfly a second Nature Valley bar. Thanks, my favorite. Plain granola. <laughs> uh, Tiger takes it back, hands them a plain granola one. <laughs> the doctor looks between the two of you and is like, that's a hell of a bump on your head there, kid. Yeah, that's part of the job. Well, we have to run a few more tests, so I am going to need you to just stay here for a little bit. Can do, Doc. Do you need us to grab you anything? Water, ice chips, jello? Um, uh, a, a water would be nice. Perfect. Let me go grab that for you. And he walks out of the room, leaving the two of you alone there. What, what happened? Uh, you got kicked in the head by a cow. Who I thought would be a friend, but wasn't. Cowabunga. Cowabunga, indeed. Shakes and rubs side of head. You doing okay? I mean, I think so, but um, I don't remember getting here, so probably not. Yeah, you uh, gave us all a scare when you passed out. I'm sorry. 
Uh, as you said, it's part of the job. Hey, uh, but beyond the, the kick to the head, are you, are you doing okay? What do you mean? I feel like since the, t- you know, when we fought those dino riders, rider saucers, rider source. I think it was the dino riders. Dino riders. You've been, uh, you've been pretty violent. I know, I know violence is part of the job and all, but like, I don't know. It's, it's weird to watch you not hold back like that, to not care what happens to the other people. So I just want to make sure everything's all right with your heart. Uh, can I take a powerful blow? Absolutely. Oh, this is a plus four. <laughs> Let's go. That's a 10. <laughs> you knock yourself back out. <laughs> What does giving ground your opposition gets an opportunity mean when my opposition is my teammate? I get to push some rhetoric on you. I'm down for that. Uh, so I'm going to take two options from the 7-9 list, uh, which means I am going to lash out verbally because I can't mark two conditions right now. <laughs> that was a fun stunt to pull once. I'm not going to do it again. I've been reflecting on my time here and, you know... I'm sure we've talked about it. In the future, I really, really, really looked up to Monarch Man. You know, his face is on every every poster and, you know, wants us to be our best selves, etc. Work harder, be smarter. Really, just the paragon of our times, apparently. But no one ever saw him. It's just his face everywhere, on posters, on... I guess when I look back on it, propaganda... So when we met him here and we watched how kind of relatively callously he just obliterated those villains and the disregard he had for others, I, I'm really worried that you're that monarch man in the future. It wouldn't make sense for him to have lived that long, but now that you're here and you're 12, it makes sense that that'd be you. You've got that move, right? I do have that move, and I think that's what I'm trying to invoke. It's the, uh, so it's when you confess. It's 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 not quite the move, but I, I'm gonna read it. It's when you confess to a teammate the difference between what you thought they would be and what they really are. Add a team to the pool and ask them if you represent a future they'd want. So I think that's gonna tie into your uh, potentially lashing out response there. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So we added a team to the pool. We're now at uh, three team. Just gonna go ahead and say no. I'll go ahead and mark a condition. <laughs> I am so sorry. No, no, no. I uh, I somehow cleared all my conditions at the end by the end of last session. So I'm gonna. Oh, just, nice. Yeah. So I have none right now. So I'm just gonna go ahead and take insecure. All right. And uh, Max, what is your response to when Peho says this? Uh, in in a very very small word bubble. Maybe I am. And maybe, maybe that's what I need to be. Because I, I just want people to not hurt people. And if I have to hurt people to do that, then that's what that takes. I do want people to be the best versions of themselves. And so when they're not, you destroy them? Have you tried it? Have you tried just making a problem not be in your way? Because it works. I think I'm provoking uh, Tiger to be a little more direct with uh, with their actions. That's going to be a, a zero, my friends. Oh, my God. There is just like a shot of Tiger. At first, like listening to that, considering it, but then their face just like shifts to like a look that would be misconstrued as pity. And before you can react, Max... There is a figure standing in the doorway, and though it's been a lot of years, you still recognize this figure. She is still in, though not a superhero costume, like pastel colors. She's in like a sweater and like slacks, and this is the adult version of Chase Carson, aka Flutter. And she goes, holy shit. And then we turn the page. And we cut in on Tula. So Alex, at the end of that last session, you filled all your potential and you took a sanctuary. 
we now turn the page to see you in that sanctuary. Where are you? So I am on Mount Rhaelis. You can break down and figure out what that means on your own. <laughs> so it's slightly less obvious that it's Israel, and I just moved the IS to the end. Oh my god. You asked for a sacred place! <laughs> Did you see what we planned to for this to grow? The Bachelinox? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, alright, alright. I love you so much. <laughs> alright, so uh, we see you uh, on Mount Rhaelis. Can you walk me through what this place looks like? So I don't think that Tula... Orsheva has fully um, opened everything yet. And this is actually the training center that my predecessor used. And you have to wait until the leader of the community deems you as worthy of getting access to it. Because it can actually transition itself based on the powers that you hold. So it can feel what you have and adjust itself just like your body does. Or my body does. Perfect. So running through the uh, sanctuary options. Um, so let's start with what does it give you? Definitely ancient relics. Um, it would have to be a power enchantment system, right? And then I'm going to go with useful tools. And I will forever hate myself for not choosing food. It's fine. Y'all literally have a sponsorship from a smoothie place. You can get food whenever you want it. <laughs> You said that it grows when you plant the Bachelinox to create the sanctuary? Yep, that's definitely not Bagel and Lox. Yep, continue. Of course not. When it grows, does it like make a physical space? Is it more of a metaphysical space? Like, where is it? I think it's a physical space at the top of the mountain. So it's difficult to access, but location is known to many because it's a holy space for us. Excellent. And is it a holy space for, like, just the um, Karanesh and Moon Harbor? Or is it, like, a global thing? A global thing. Excellent. So how did you get there today? I rode Princess. And we see you in this sanctuary. It is very calm, very tranquil. And as we know, the location is known to many. Which we find out when uh, a figure is standing, like, up against a wall there. As if she just, like, materialized, like, out of mist. (laughs) And Mistra's standing there, and she's like, oh, you finally got the key to this place, huh? What are you doing here? I didn't expect you'd be here. I thought this was kind of me, you know, my moment. I finally earned this moment, and this is kind of my moment to be with myself. Why are you here? Oh, I mean, I can go if you don't want me here. I didn't say that because that would be kind of rude, but that's kind of what I was thinking. But but you have intentions. You're here for a reason. And I want to know what that reason is because I kind of don't trust you. I mean, I'm trying to trust you because, you know, it would be so much nicer if I could. But no, you're going to murder a bunch of people, so I can't really trust you. So why are you here? Oh, I don't want anything. I just wanted to give you a little housewarming present. A present for me? Wait, presents are usually good things and you're not a really good person. So why would you be giving a present? What is it? It's more of a piece of information for you. I don't like how you talk. You give all these like little short hints, but you want me to keep going and you want me to ask all these questions like I'm intrigued. And of course I'm intrigued because how can you not be intrigued? You're dropping on little breadcrumbs for me. But also I don't want to know because I don't trust you. But just just tell me what you have to tell me so we can do this already. I just think you should know that uh, daddy-in-law is going to be waking up pretty soon. A friend of yours is planning to pay him a little visit. What are you planning Oh, I'm not planning anything. Your friend Leopard, on the other hand. Look, whatever you're planning, I will stop you. I don't even need to know all the details. I just need to know that you're involved. And I will do absolutely everything I can to stop you. And to stop all of this. Because, well, okay, I ran out of ideas on how to sound cool. But you know what I mean. I'm going to stop you. Again, I... I'm going to have nothing to do with this. Now, if you were to go stop it, and I was to do something else, I guess you kind of have to make the choice. Do you let your girlfriend's dad die? Or do you stop me? 
Stop you from what? What What are you planning? What are you trying to do to me now? Why are you giving me all these options? You know that I can't do options and, and decisions and just tell me what you're doing. Nah, that would ruin all the fun. You bitch. <laughs> Did you say that out loud or was that out of character? Uh, out loud. <laughs> Her eyes widen a little bit and then she grins. And she's like... I didn't know that you had teeth. I kind of thought you were just a gumless little shit, but all right. Maybe this will be fun after all. Look, just because I don't always use the same nasty words as you doesn't mean that I'm not tough and doesn't mean I won't stop you. Got it? I'm shaking. Sheva swings the sword at her, but she doesn't take it out of the guitar case, so it's the whole guitar. <laughs> she instantly dematerializes into mist. So the guitar passes through her, and then she reforms, and she is beaming. And she's like, I like when you get feisty like this. There might just be hope for you after all. Look, your little party tricks are going to work when I'm just messing around here and I'm just frustrated, but don't think that those little party tricks are going to work on me when this is an actual battle. You hear me? I have a team, and we can stop both of you. Why don't you let them know? Okay, well, when you say it like that, it kind of sounds like a trap, and I don't want to lead my team into a trap, but I don't care. I will stop you anyway I can. You hear me? I will stop you. I look forward to it. And she doesn't dematerialize to walk out of the sanctuary. She just walks out of the sanctuary, like, back to you completely. Does she have anything on her that's magnetic? <laughs> I guess you can see. Uh, I just, like swing my arm and wh whatever is magnetic near me because I haven't even inspected the place yet so I have no idea what I'm throwing at her which is going to end poorly for me I'm sure and just see if I can attach it to her so it just bam right in the back again out of frustration so not aimed well go ahead and roll to directly engage for me that'll be roll plus danger I got a seven all right on a seven and nine you're going to choose one which will be take something from them, create an opportunity for your allies, impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition, or resist or avoid their blows. I feel like what I really want to do is create opportunity, but we both know what I really did was shock and surprise her. So, and I should resist the blow, but of course I'm not going to do that either. You're going to punish me for that. But yeah, I'm going to go with surprise the opposition. <laughs> you swing your hand and grab something metal. And there is an old, like, metal statue in there. It's not breakable. It is literally a bronze statue. And it goes and crashes into her back. And she goes sprawling. And she, like, rolls over, puts her hand on, like, her lower back, and is like, Holy fuck! Huh. That was, a uh, ballsier than I was expecting. Ah, fuck. And she's, like, rubbing her lower back. Like, it's not the, like, recovery that a villain in a fight does. Like, you can hit a villain in a fight over and over and it's fine. But, like, she wasn't prepared for this. It straight up is like, you threw a statue at her. And she's like, well, I'm really glad that you're making yourself comfortable and using the resources here. But I've been here way more than you have. I studied this place before I got my powers to try to see what I could do. I bet you didn't know that this runestone right here, and she puts her hand over a runestone, like carved into the wall, and she's like, it resets your powers and turns them off momentarily. So, uh, sorry. And she presses it. And you no longer have magnetism or any superpower at the moment. Did it turn off hers too or just affects me? Oh, just yours. Yeah. I'm going to get to the point where I can beat you without powers. And then you'll see. I look forward to it. And then she disappears in a mist. And like, she's floating away at such a speed that you could follow her. She's giving you this option. Fuck, I have to follow her. And not tell your but team about the hospital, about Quentin? Uh, what are my communication options? <laughs> I mean, you have a cell phone. So I could call them while I'm riding Princess. You probably could, yeah. I don't like your probably. Um, 
But that's what I'm going to attempt to do. I'm going to attempt to follow her on Princess and call my team. Who are you calling? Yeah, calling Prince Butterfly because we both have influence over each other. And we follow that phone call over to the hospital room. Before we do this, I also have an advancement thing to talk out because uh, that failure on the provoke got me my last potential. All right, what do we got? Tess, on on a on a large scale, what are your plans for Flutter? I know what she's doing this episode, which is coming to make you feel guilty. Excellent. I want to take her as my mentor. I love that. And we follow that phone call over to the hospital room. Tiger, you're sitting by Prince Butterfly's bedside, and this older woman walked in and said, holy shit. Let's start with, um, Max, what is your face right now? Uh, just shock. Because last he had heard, Chase was just gone. Like, he knew roughly what everybody else on the team was doing, but Chase was just gone. Now she's right there. Peho, what is your reaction to this shock on Max's face? Uh, uh, hello? I take it you two know each other? Chase? Hey, Maxie. Just blink. Blink, blink. A tiger offers her a Nature Valley bar. (laughs) She walks over, and she's moving slow. Like, this is an elderly woman. Again, like, timeline's kind of weird, because, like, the Praetorian and Monarch Man and Flutter should technically be in, like, their 80s, but they all look like they're in their 60s because superhero logic. Mm -hmm. But she's walking slow. And she comes over and pulls up a chair and sits down on the other side of the hospital bed from Tiger. And she does take the granola bar, but she doesn't actually eat it. I think she more takes it out of politeness than anything. And she holds her hand out, and she's like, Hi, uh, Chase Carson. Wong Peho, and, uh, shakes her hand. It's really nice to meet you, Peho. Uh, likewise, how do you, uh, how do you know our mutual friend, Max? She looks at Max, and then looks back at Peho and goes, I'm not exaggerating when I say that is a ridiculously long story. I- Figured it would be. Nothing is ever simple in this world. She laughs, and it's not like a bitter laugh. It's just a legitimate, like, laugh. Do you... do you need the room? I think that might be the best idea. Uh, Tiger will nod and uh, excuse themselves from the room. We're going to follow Tiger out for the moment. We see Chase reach down and take Max's hands in the back of the panel as Tiger walks out. Tiger, you step out into the hallway. Are you heading anywhere in particular or just like standing outside? Vending machines. You head over to the vending machine. And as you're standing there, you get a thought in your head, like a telepathic thought projected in your head. You're really going to be here now? Didn't answer my call, but cool. Uh, I think... Tiger immediately just opens their senses to see if they can't trace this call. I don't think it's being hidden. This is Leopard. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, more like not who, but where. Go ahead and extend your senses to try to track her down. Uh, Yeah, go ahead and unleash your powers. A six. You don't have to track far because she comes walking down the hall. And without missing a beat, she like, takes you by, like, the crook of the arm and is walking with you. And she's like, so Quentin Monroe is waking up. I have a monitor set up on his heart rate monitor. He is literally waking up any minute. He's kind of stirring right now. So when he wakes up, the guards are going to be parting to let his family into his room. And that's probably going to be our best time to strike. In front of his family? They won't see it coming. It's uh, particularly heartless. Yeah, well, so is essentially being responsible for the death of millions of people by destroying their wages and preventing them from unionizing and basically being the Elon Musk of Moon Harbor. Yeah, but is murder justified? We hurt people who hurt people. 
we don't hurt people when we can't help it. What, do you want to toss him in jail? No, just, uh, I don't know, isn't there a way to just take all his money instead? Remove his power? In the same way that if you make a hero powerless, they don't, they can't do anything. <laughs> Sorry, Sheva, all their callback. <laughs> Let's just rip our whole team apart really quick. Do I have to take a powerful blow for that? <laughs> <laughs> She looks at you and she goes, so what, you're proposing we go in and we, like, rob him? I would admittedly prefer that to killing him. I mean, I do, the, do know most of the information on his bank account, but it does need a thumbprint. If we cut his thumb off, we could easily hack in, transfer the funds, and then, you know... That'd work for me. Well, he would still be making, you know, as a billionaire, he'd be making millions of dollars a minute anyways by virtue of his company. Why not destroy his company? Companies aren't people. If you kill him, someone else just takes over the company and the suffering continues. We have to take away his power, and that doesn't mean just his money. That means how he makes it. Yeah, but the person who's in line to inherit the company... Is your teammate's new girlfriend. Ellie? Mm-hmm. I feel like... Uh... <laughs> is Ellie Elizabeth Monroe? Because that's the name I have written in my yes. sheet, right? Yep. Yeah, so she's largely responsible in the future for making monarch power a corporatocracy. That is true. So that's worse? <laughs> The enemy isn't Quentin or Ellie, it's Monroe. Like, the corporation and monarch power. Those are the ones that, those are the things that need to go, not the people. For what it's worth, you have about 20 seconds to convince me not to put this knife right into his heart, because we're, like, two hallways away. So, um, you know, your call. I think, can I just, like, make a telekinetic wall between myself and the room and her yeah go ahead and roll to defend for me yeah mime wall go an eight you can uh you'll keep quentin safe and you're gonna choose one you can either escalate the situation or uh expose yourself to danger i will add a team to the pool but uh i will uh expose myself to danger she hits the wall and whips around. And she's wearing like a hoodie and the hood falls off. She looks like she hasn't slept in days. Like, her skin is pallid. There are dark circles under her eyes. Her lips are a little cracked. Her hair is a mess. She is rough. The crazed look in her eyes builds to a fever pitch almost instantly, and she lunges at you and knocks you into the nearest hospital room. Fortunately, it is empty, but, like, you get knocked into a bed, and, like, the bed is on wheels, it goes rolling, and the two of you are just fighting in this hospital room. And, like, getting knocked aside, I don't think you're taking a powerful blow for that, but it is drawing massive amounts of attention. And also, she's a good fighter. I, I would like to just give the psychic suggestion for her to sleep. Go ahead and provoke for me. Thirteen. You hit her with this thought. And you see her start to slip a little bit. She is in the process of falling asleep. She's not quite down yet, but she's crashing quick, which means she's getting sluggish, which would be great um, had she not just made a ton of noise, alerting th the guards who are protecting Quentin, who are now coming into the room where she is now slower and sluggish and significantly more able to be caught. And we get a panel of her, like, bleary-eyed looking up at the door where the guards are coming in and going, fuck. We turn the page away from this hospital room fight 
And before we turn back to Sheva, Prince Butterfly, your phone rings right as Flutter is sitting down by your side. Just hit the button to mute it. And then we turn the page from there, and uh, Sheva, the phone call went straight to voicemail. Shit, damn, shit, damn, what do I, shit, um, I could, but I need to, oh, but I could, but I should, I mean, this is a trap, somebody should know, can I send a text? Uh, sure, as you pull out your phone to send a text, you get a text as well. It's from Ellie, and it just says, help. Damn it! Oh my gosh, where are you? What's going on? Tell me everything. Drop me a pin. Is that how the cool kids say, like, where are you? With the pin? That's the thing, right? Yeah, I think it works. Okay. You get a pin dropped, and it's the hospital. Uh, the one that you know your teammates were heading to after that fight on the beach with the Finfluencers. Uh, the one where you know her dad is. And the text just says, dad trouble. And you watch as Mistress Mist, like, starts to float down the mountain. This is so fucked. She's actually going to make me turn this car around. Okay, what do I do? Do I follow her? But this could be a trap too. But this could just be keeping me away from the hospital. I think I need to go to the hospital because even if Ellie isn't my priority, which of course she is because she's so cute, my team is my priority and there's bad people there and my team is injured. So I think... (sighs) Can I make a suggestion while you're doing this? Yeah, sure. (laughs) You're just driving princess in circles trying to figure out where you want to (laughs) go. And she looks at you, and her eyes are, like, kind of spinning. They look the comic book, like, I'm discombobulated look. And she gives you the look, like, please just tell me where the fuck we need to go. Okay, I think, I think we have to protect the team. And you all start heading off towards Moon Harbor. Princess is fast. It's not going to take very long to get there. Like, when she's focused on it, she can go faster than an airplane. So, you'll probably be there in... I don't know, about an hour. Jesus. Look, you made the choice to put your sanctuary across the literal world. Am I not protecting my people, though, by leaving? <laughs> These are all really great questions, Alex. For what it's worth, as soon as you leave your sanctuary, you do get your powers back. It kind of feels like that rune is there to, like, mute it so you can, like, meditate and stuff. To, like, turn off any, like, destructive powers to let you fucking chill. Right. It does not seem like that's a, I'm gonna disable you permanently kind of thing. I'm more concerned that she's still there, and I know she's there, and I know she wanted me to follow her. She did go down the mountain. She's, at least last you saw, she's leaving. Okay, I'm sticking with the hospital. (laughs) I'm as indecisive as Sheva's. And you're on your way. You gonna try to call anyone else? Text anyone else? I'm not trying to call- Do I know who's at the hospital? Yeah, you know that Tiger was taking um, Prince Butterfly there. I'm going to try to call Tiger. And a voice picks up. It's not um, Tiger. If you remember in the last session, uh, Tiger was thrown around a little bit in a fight. And uh, someone stole Tiger's <laughs> phone. <laughs> Uh, and the voice picks up, and it's Parasail. <clears throat> and she goes, Oh, I'm so sorry, you're not having a hard time tracking the location on this? Hello? Hello? Who are you? You're not- you're not- Hello? Do I have the right number? Do I call the right number? Oh, you should never really fly in text, okay? Who am I talking to? Oh, hey, Shava. Been, what, like four hours? It's Parasail. Oh, yeah, I was never going to get that. You're very attentive, aren't you? But this isn't your phone. Why do you have this phone? You shouldn't have this phone. Why do you have this phone? Oh, you know, just popped into my hand during our fight. It it just dropped from the sky and landed directly in your hand or you stole it? Eh, potato tomato. Ugh, I don't have time for this. I'm in the middle of like 15 emergencies right now and I'm trying to put out all these fires and what I really, really need right now is to talk to my team, not to you. Ugh, and here I thought we were going to have a nice little chat. Maybe like lay on our bed and kick our feet and twirl our hair. Are, are you hitting on me? I have a girlfriend. I mean, I'm flattered really, but like, I, 
I have to tell her now that that you hit on me. Maybe I'll tell everybody that you hit on me. I mean, you got kind of a celebrity, and the celebrity kind of hitting on me is kind of cool. I mean, it's it's not like amazing, like news breaking cool. But I gotta stay focused. What do you want? You're the one who called me. Well, I don't want to talk to you. Obviously, if I wanted to talk to you, I would have called your phone. Not that I have your number, because again, I have a girlfriend. And I really need you to calm down with that. But I obviously was <laughs> intending to call the person who actually owns this phone. Do you want me to scroll through the contacts, see if I can get another number for them? Because, like, I've already copied most of the contacts down, so. Oh, that's bad. That's really, really bad. Okay. Um, did they not have a, you know, lock on their phone? Honey, I made a living stealing money from people electronically. I know how to hack into a phone and into a bank account. Though Tiger's bank account isn't linked to this phone. It's actually kind of impressive. Like, there's no credit card number anywhere in there. Okay, note to self, delete all of my banking information off my phone. Um, what other information did you get from Tiger's phone, if you don't mind me asking? You know, some pictures of you and the team... You know, just the normal stuff you'd find on a phone. There's not a lot on it, honestly. It doesn't really seem like they use it very much. So then why do you still have it? Why wouldn't you just return it? I would return it, but I obviously I'm a good person and you're not. I mean, I have to get the information first and I just haven't seen them. I mean, where are they? I can bring it back to them now. I'm definitely not giving you their location or my location. In fact, I shouldn't even be wasting time talking to you. I should be trying to figure out how in the hell I'm going to get a hold of my team because obviously this isn't working and nobody else is answering their phone. Okay. <sighs> Do you want me to make you a deal? What kind of deal? I have access to millions of followers with eyes all over the globe. I can get in touch with your team and let them know what message you want to pass on. At what cost? You'll owe me a favor. Oh, that's definitely not a thing that I want to do. I think I saw that in a movie one time and it never ends well. Anytime you owe somebody a favor, it ends poorly for everybody involved. And I definitely don't want to do that. But I also really need to get a message to my team. How long do I have to decide? Well, it doesn't matter because if I don't do it now, then it won't make any difference because I'll be there by the time that you tell them. Let's see. I'll give you five, four, three, two. Okay, just do it. Just do it. Like the rest of my life, I just know it. It's gonna be one of those things that I like replay over and over in my mind while I'm laying down in bed trying to think what I could have done better or different in the day. And this is gonna be that conversation that just comes back all the time. Uh, what do you want me to tell them? I need you to tell them that Quentin is in trouble and that you have to save his life because they're gonna attack him. Well, as soon as he's awake, and I don't know if he's awake yet, but they're gonna attack him when he was awake, so they could already be under attack. I have no idea. Um, but we need to get help to him right away because you know nobody should be dying right now. That's bad. Give me forty-five seconds. And you get put on hold. Just put me on hold? There's a whole music. What am I holding for? How am I even going to know when it's done? Oh, I shouldn't have trust her. What am I going to do? I'm going to spend the next 45 minutes or 45 seconds spiraling out of control. The phone clicks back on and she goes, cool. Yeah, someone's got eyes on them. We should get that message to them about now. And we get a cut in panel um, of the hospital And across the speakers in the hospital, we hear, Cataclysm crew, Quentin Monroe's in danger and needs your assistance. And then we cut back and Parasail says, so I'll give you a call about that favor since I've got your number now. Uh, If you want your friend's phone, I'm just going to leave it on the beach where we fought. Just go grab it at some point. Okay, um, just remember that, like, I won't do anything against my morals or my values and, you know, nothing illegal, obviously, because I'm trying to be a superhero. So when you're talking about a favor, please be very, very careful, because I'm definitely not going to do anything that's, you know, bad. I mean, you didn't specify that before the deal was made. So we'll talk about it later. Bye. And the phone disconnects. Oh, this is not a good day. And we turn from there to the (laughs) hospital. Uh, it's not quite that same second. It's a little bit earlier. Um, Max Flutter has sat down beside you and taken your hand and she goes, Okay, Maxie, you want to tell me what's going on? Uh, I think before she even finishes saying that, she is just in the biggest of hugs that like a a lanky 14 year old can give. She's genuinely taken aback and then like pulls you into a hug really tightly. 
And then she lets you go and finishes the sentence and is like, so what is going on? Like now or in general? Like, let's start with why are you in the hospital? I got kicked in the head by a cow. She looks at you, she blinks, she blinks, and then she just starts laughing. Yeah, yeah, not not my finest moment, I, I recognize. And when she finishes laughing, she looks at you again and goes, And in general? So, you remember when we went to the Library of Souls? Mm-hmm. I didn't come back with you. I was there during the solstice months ago. And I was there when Flyby went back and found me. But you did come out of the Library of Souls. I mean, you're an, you're an adult. He did. I didn't. That's, um... Okay. So I suppose you know what happened with me in there, then? No, he, uh, he told me that you just... That you had just been gone. He didn't say what. So... I went in, and I read your chrysalis... And I read Paul's chrysalis. And I saw what was going to happen in your lives. And how dark Paul and him, y- you, he were going to get. And I thought maybe I had something to do with that. So I just waited till they were gone and then I hid for years till I thought they forgot about me I think that's another hug we could never forget about you we were best friends yeah well sometimes the people you care about the most make you do the worst things right no No, we would never do that to each other. If you knew they were going to turn bad, why wouldn't you just stop them? Stop me. Time marches on, and I thought, you know, based on what I saw, that I was going to be the reason they did those things. But they did them anyway. Maybe this is all inevitable. Maybe nothing we do matters. Jesus, you're a kid. I shouldn't be talking to you about this. Oh my god. Everything we do matters. That's why we put on the costumes. That's why we stop people from hurting people. It's all we've ever done. It's all you've ever wanted to do. I thought I was stopping people from hurting people. I thought I was being a hero by taking myself out of the equation. It's not that simple, Maxie. All it takes for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And you're the best of us. I don't think that's the case anymore, kid. I don't know if Any of us are good. I don't know if good is a thing that exists. Then make it exist. Can you comfort and support Flutter for me? Can I actually make that a provoke? Yeah. That's gonna be an eight. They can just do it if you think that's the right narrative thing. But you also have that list. I think she, like kind of shoves away from the bed. Like, she's in, like, a chair that's not a rolling chair, but, like, it slides across the floor. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you're just a goddamn kid. You don't get it. 
everything that's happened since the Library of Souls, it's been my fault. Paul. Max. Everything that has fallen apart has been because I was a coward. And stop being a coward. It's never too late to be a hero. She pauses slightly and she's like, I don't even know what that means anymore. Well, (laughs) I know a heck of a tailor. And she smiles at you. And then an announcement comes over the loudspeaker of the hospital. And it says, Quentin Monroe is in danger. Cataclysm crew, please help. All right, let's do the dang thing. What, now? Is there a better time? Getting out of bed and, like, disconnecting whatever wires are attached to equipment and just dragging them along with me. She, like, grabs your shoulder, and then, like, there's a blur of pastel colors around you, and then the wires are, like, really disconnected. And she was like, I'm an RN. Why does that make sense? (laughs) And then she kind of, like, catches her breath, and she's like, I haven't done that in a very long time. Eat up, let's do this. And when you look at her, her eyes look like her younger eyes. Like, she's an older person, but you see that, like, glimmer of light that we saw in the flashback memory, broken memory thing from the beginning of this issue. And then she takes off and just leaves you in the dust. Following right behind her. And we're going to cut from there into Tiger. Tiger, you and Leopard were fighting in this hospital room. She was about to fall asleep. The guards came in, and she is, like, seconds away from passing out and getting arrested. Can I hold my hands up and... Because the uh, the speaker announcement has happened, right? Yep. Yeah, can I say, Tiger, Cataclysm crew, on it already. The guards are members of Whitefire, which is a, like security force for hire and they don't stop they keep coming in the room and they're like we appreciate your concern but we've got it from here and i'm gonna say someone's making a threat on quentin this is just a distraction we have reason to believe that she is the person making the threat on quentin yeah which is why she knew you'd come for her and she looks up at you and her eyes are practically closed and she was like do you really think I'm that smart? Yes. Well, not right now, but yes, generally. Aw, you think I'm smart. How high up are we? What story is this? Oh, uh, let's say like fifth. Is there a window? There absolutely is a window. Is there another rooftop across the way? Let's say there is for drama purposes. <laughs> Can I throw my mom out the window across to another roof go ahead and roll to defend your mom (laughs) (laughs) all right uh so that's a nine on a seven and nine you keep them safe and choose one yeah i will expose myself to danger naturally i think is the drawback uh but i will also uh take influence over leopard you see her eyes register that you are saving her And she just kind of smiles as you are throwing her. What does that look like? I think this is a fun moment to reveal what Tiger's powers look like from the inside, if we haven't already. Ooh, I love that. So from from Tiger's point of view, there's just a swarm of, like, sort of spectral butterflies that surround Leopard. And they basically fly her out the window, uh, which shatters, and uh, they as gently as he can, alights her on the rooftop over, knowing that she's going to fall asleep soon, but trusting that she has the savvy to at least escape first. Awesome. As she's surrounded by these, like, tiny psychic butterflies and, like, tossed across to the other roof, we watch her fully just fall asleep. Like, she lands on the other roof and does not stir. And the automatopoeia of her snoring can be seen from your window. Great. I'm gonna look very crestfallen and then turn back to the guards. And they all have guns leveled at you. Yeah, and I'm gonna hold up my hands and say, threat removed. And at that moment, there's a pastel blur around the guards, and suddenly, Flutter is standing next to you. 
And she looks at you and she's like, are you the threat? Are they the threat? Who's the threat? He's going to point out the window and say, she's the threat. She's asleep on the next roof. Okay, cool. I'll take her in. And then she disappears. Uh, uh, uh. You are telepathic. You could probably still catch her. Yeah, and I'm going to just say, can you get her out of here instead? And you get the telepathic version of a wink back, basically. All right. And she gets the telepathic version of a very awkward blink in return. And uh, Prince Butterfly, that's when you make it to the crowd of white fire soldiers who still have guns pointed at your teammate. Hey, they're not the threat. Go find the threat. Talking to the soldiers, obviously. Listen, kid, the threat was in the room, and then they tossed her out the window. Okay, it sounds like it's been handled. Congratulations. Or it sounds like your friend is trying to protect her. I got her away from Mr. Monroe. Mr. Monroe was being protected. You could have let the adults handle this. And if I'd let that happen, Mr. Monroe would be dead. Uh, I think he was trying to shift your labels, but it sounds like you're going to reject that. Oh, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) He was going to be shifting your mundane up and savior down. But go ahead and roll to reject. Nine. I can clear a condition or mark potential by immediately acting to prove them wrong. Uh, yeah. I guess I will, uh, attempt to prove them wrong by disarming them all of their weapons. What does that look like? Uh, I think Tiger just sweeps their cloak very dramatically, their hands aglow. And all of their guns just immediately yank out of their hands, turn around, and point at them. Go ahead and roll to directly engage a threat for me. Word, word. That's an eight. And I will clear my insecure condition. Yeah, I'm going to take something. Or at least I'm going to frighten the opposition, I think, just to prove my point. Oh, no, I guess I do take their weapons from them. <laughs> that makes more sense. So I'll take their weapons from them and point it at them. And at that moment, Petra Monroe walks into the door. Petra, as we remember, is Quentin's wife and Ellie's mom. And she looks at you with weapons drawn on all the white fire soldiers. And then Ellie appears next to Petra. And Petra goes, This is the kind of person that you want to be hanging out with? This is the kind of person your girlfriend associates with? Uh, yes, Miss Monroe. We are the people who just... Well, specifically, Tiger is the person who just saved your husband's life. And I am uh, forcing myself forward in the conversation to remind her that I have influence over her. (laughs) Her eyes kind of flash. And she looks at Tiger, and then she looks at Prince Butterfly. Then she looks at Ellie and back at Prince Butterfly, and she says, Fine. We won't press charges for the assumed assassination attempt on my husband's life that your friend looks like they were part of. But Ellie, you are forbidden from seeing any member of this team. And then she walks away. Uh, Miss Monroe, a moment. She doesn't stop walking, but you're more than welcome to catch up to her. Uh, I think I am just going to walk behind her. And uh, I am going to try and leverage my influence or, or burn my influence over her to inflict a condition. All right. What does that look like? Uh, I think this is me saying that, Miss Monroe, it would be a bad look to publicly or even privately distance yourself from the premier teen hero team in Moon Harbor just for saving your husband's life. I think that you should make an announcement saying that you are grateful the Cataclysm crew saved your husband's life so heroically today when he would have been assassinated. Don't you agree? It's just the right PR move. Prince Butterfly has been learning from Lady Rosewing. She looks at you and she is glowering. If looks could kill, you would be dead and your corpse would have been on fire. (laughs) Her face then changes to just the sweetest smile and she's like, you're right. No, that's a great idea. I'll go ahead and set up that press conference. Excellent. Ellie, come with me. 
and she snaps her fingers, and Ellie immediately obeys. This will go well. Oh, it's gonna go great, yeah. And she walks away, leaving the two of you standing there. And the White Fire soldiers say, All right, so if that's what happens, we need to take a couple statements. And the head of the soldiers looks over at a nurse and is like, We're gonna be taking over your break room for the next hour or so. Please feel free to vacate the premises. And he guides the two of you, along with the other soldiers, into this break room to take statements. <coughs> and we turn the page and see Ellie sitting inside this hospital, looking absolutely crestfallen. When Princess and Tula land in the parking lot right in front of her. Oh my gosh, you look sad. You look sad. Why do you look sad? Did something happen? Did my team not make it in time? Is your dad hurt? I tried to do everything I could to protect him from a distance. I was on my way as fast as I could. I'm so sorry, Ellie. I really did everything I could think of. I mean, I even made a deal with... I mean, that's not really important. I just... I'm so sorry. She looks up and her face is tear-streaked. Ellie, no! That's okay. And that that's good. But, um, I can't see you anymore. What? What? Just because I didn't save your dad in time? I mean, I know it's your dad and I know that he's important to you, but I I did everything I could. It's just... It's too dangerous to be in your life right now. It's too dangerous not to be. You can see that she's like... She wants to say something in response. Then you see that standing in the doorway, watching over this conversation, is Petra. And... Ellie says, that's why we hire a security team, because they can protect me, since you clearly can't. Tula, can you take a powerful blow for me? Yeah. It's fine, it's an eight. Bad things could happen. (laughs) All right, on a seven or nine, you're going to choose one. I'm going to get in so much trouble for what I'm about to say. Look, we Jewish. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to use my influence to put some some guilt out there. What do you say on her? Or say to her? Wait. So, to clarify, your dad is alive? Yes. So you asked for my help to save your dad. Your dad is alive. And I'm the bad guy here? So you're mad at me for doing exactly what you asked. Do you understand that I let a bad guy go? To save him, that I sacrificed everything, I made deals that I don't believe in, just for you, for your father, for your father, who, I mean, has a million dollars and couldn't even hire a solid team to protect him so that we had to step in, had to step in because you texted me because you asked me to, you're punishing me for doing what you asked me to do, for giving up everything, everything I know, everything I love and everything I believe in to help you. No, 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 no. To be clear, I don't want you in my life. It's not that you can't be in my life. I don't want you here anymore. If that's the selfish way you're going to act. And she storms off. (laughs) We watch her, as you storm away, just sob. And her mom comes over and puts her hand on her shoulder. And let me get a close-up panel of your face. What do you look like as you walked away there? Oh, bawling. I am crying mascara running down my face. Because you know when you get really emotional and you let it all out, and then the only thing your body knows how to do after is just cry? And I think the last panel of this issue is Tula getting on Princess's back. And, like, Princess, like, nuzzles her face into your chest. And then the two of you just take off into the sky. Thank you for listening to Moon Harbor Heroes. This issue was GM'd by Tess Huth, she, her, who can be found on Twitter at Tessatrix. Flyby was played by Jane Berry. Jane, she, her, can be found on Twitter at Jane-Tarzan. Lady Rosewing was played by Elliot Peterson. Elliot, she, her, or they, them, can be found on Twitter at Elliot Yulen. That's E-L-L-I-O-T-Y-L-E-N. Prince Butterfly was played by Crumpet. Crumpet, any pronouns, can be found on Twitter at The Crumpet. 
That's T-H-E-C-R-U-M-P-I-T. Shava was played by Alex Catherine. Alex, she, her, can be found on Twitter at Alexy Galaxy. That's A-L-I-X-G-A-L-I-X-Y. Takanja Red was played by JPG. JPG, he, him, can be found on Twitter at SpeakerJPG. That's the letters J-P-G. Tiger was played by John John Johnson. John John, they, them, or he, him, can be found on Twitter at Burn John John Burn. That's B-U-R-N-J-O-N-J-O-N-B-U-R-N. Moon Harbor Heroes is produced by Tess Huth, Icy Sheets, Elliot Peterson, and Crumpet, and edited by Tess Huth. The music in this issue was written by Tess Huth. Moon Harbor Heroes is traditionally played using Masks, A New Generation, written by Brendan Conway and produced by Magpie Games. Our logo was designed by Beautiful Beasties. She can be found on Instagram at beastly.doodles or on Patreon at patreon.com slash beautifulbeasties. If you want to get a hold of us, email us at moonharborheroes at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at moonharborcast. If you enjoyed this issue, please leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice or tell a friend. Five-star reviews and word of mouth are really the best way for us to keep bringing these stories to more people. And thank you for helping us save the world. We'll see you next issue.